this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. This episode of the broadcast and the podcast is brought to you by Arrow. The next generation error reduction and mitigation system. For more information, go to arrowhp.com. Well, hello and welcome to Safety FM. This is Jay Allen. I am so glad that we get to spend this time together. It has been such a full year so far in regards of everything that we've been able to do together, the different people that have come on to the show, the different times that we've been able to spend together, and the different people that we've had the opportunity to speak with and have conversations with and take a listen to their philosophies or beliefs of safety. I am just so glad that we get to spend this time together week in and week out. A couple of things before I get too far here. Currently, we're actually running a contest on safetyfm.com. Also, if you're on our mailer list, um, where we're referencing some things in regards that you have the opportunity to win a private podcast produced by us here at Safety FM, where we'll host a private podcast for you or your organization. So if that's something that you're interested in, please come by safetyfm.com. You can come to our LinkedIn page, Facebook page, Twitter, whatever you want to do. You know, one of those things. And we'll be able to actually show you the information about the contest there. You have the opportunity to enter on a daily basis and gives you some opportunity to have some several different entries if that's something that you're interested in doing. So please don't hesitate on coming by to the website or like I said, our different social media. Also, as you have noticed, there is a countdown clock that is on our website. I want to make reference to that one more time to make sure that we have this understanding that on January the 14th, we'll have something coming up on our show. So please stay tuned for that one. Anyways, let's get into the business of what's going on here today. Today, I have the opportunity of having a conversation with Mike Aloko. He is the former director of mentoring research and development. Mike is also the author of Safety Analysis of Complex Systems, Consideration of Software, Firmware, Hardware, Human, and the Environment. The way I ended up stumbling across Mike is Mike is a system safety guy for the most part. He tends to look at a little bit of everything based on what he's told me. And he tends to come out online and make some posts about other people's posts if that makes sense, or replying to other people's messages. And what he wants them to do is to think about the different systems that are out there and the different aspects that are out there that are related to safety and just not to think about it in one fashion alone. So me and Mike have actually went back and forth online on different things. I extended an invite for him to come onto the show. Now, I will tell you that this same scenario has occurred in the past, and most people will go as far as having the discussion with me of, oh, they're going to come on, and they're going to let us know what we are doing wrong from a safety standpoint. But when it comes all said and done, they do not come on to the show because of the intimidation that I have control of the board and all this other stuff. But I always tell people, we do all of our podcasts for the most part 
in full format, which means I do not do hardly any editing on the recording unless something like just goes totally off rails, but it's very rare for that to occur. So most people turn end up turning it down at the last moment. Well, I have to tell you, Mike was not that person. Mike went ahead and said, hey, um, I have some reservations in regards of doing this because of that. I made sure that he understood that we do this in full form. So he was cool on coming on. So today, this is the discussion that I get to have with Michael Loco about system safety and what his point of view is. Hope you enjoy it here today on Safety FM. The countdown has begun on January 14th, 2020. Find out only on Safety FM. So, Mike, I guess I can ask you, if you don't mind, can we start off from the beginning of the journey? How did it all start for you then? Oh, boy. Um, let's see. March 22nd, 1976. Um, my first full-time employment as a uh, safety engineer. Uh, before that... Uh, I had been involved in instrumentation and controls in the power generation uh, situation and became very interested in safety. I guess this was prior to OSHA. So, but what, dr- so what, dr- but what drove you to be interested in safety? If I, I guess that's really probably where we need to start. So how did the, the passion or the love get behind it? Okay, well, um, I was exposed to some risk in a power generation plant, high power, high pressure steam, uh, etc. I went to a vocational high school uh, to be an electrician, and um, consequently uh, understood the risk, electrical related risks. I went to uh, New York Community and got an associate in electrical engineering and became involved in that particular area. And I was actually hit with about 450 volts DC when I was setting up a Class A amplifier in a lab. And um, anyway... So but you're still here to being able to talk about it. So this is an important portion of the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, fortunately. Uh, well, and, and so consequently, I went basically to night school mostly for my undergraduate work. And you uh, worked in the daytime and one at night. And when I, I finally uh, was completed, well, I also was an aviation electrician in the Navy reserves and a couple of interesting safety related things happened concerning, uh, stray voltage testing for, for ordinance and a few other things. So I had a, a real interesting, uh, number of experiences that led me to the safety world. Uh, the vet advisor, um, that I spoke to before I got my bachelor's degree, um, showed me a reference book. 
And I did. I didn't particularly want to work in a, a in a power generation plant. I didn't want to work in a facility. I wanted to work kind of outside. And uh, so I looked through the career books, and I seen something called the safety engineer, and that just piqued my interest. So consequently, the advisor told me the best place to go to work for the training would be Aetna Casualty. And that was to be a loss control engineer. And fortunately, I was able to get in because I had construction safety and you know, worked as a tech, et cetera, et cetera. And Aetna Casualty was uh, really amazing. It was a year-long training program that was equivalent to jet pilot training cost at the time. Now, what year are we yeah. roughly talking about here? Uh, 76. 76, okay. Thereabouts. And so I was exposed to a whole bunch of stuff. I've always been on the Midnight Express, so to speak. I never worked 40 hours a week, typically 60. I'm still doing research now, you know, 40 some odd years later. Well, I love the discipline or the disciplines. In either case, so the training was excellent. It lasted a year. You protégéed with a mentor, uh, you know, 12 weeks at home office. And uh, consequently, I was exposed to a lot of things like something called system safety and something called human factors and a book that was written by Willie Hammer. It was more of an industrial safety spin on system safety. And in Willie's book, he, when he talked about a hazard, he had a, a particular diagram, which I actually have still on my computer, that talked about an exploding, exploding gas tank. And I was always questioning this concept of the single hazard. Just it never made sense to me. Or this concept of total loss control, uh, bird, for instance. Or, you know, safety management by Grimaldi and all of this stuff. Uh, I was climbing into every single word I could read. As a result of seeing this diagram from Willie Hammer, um, it talked about initiators, contributors, primary hazards. It showed uh, the mitigations, the hazard controls in the diagram. And um, the light went off. And I called up Willie, and uh, we talked. And I said, uh, I said to Willie, yes, Willie, I'm never forgetting any of this. I, I protégéed with most of the people that wrote the books that equated to system safety in the early 70s. Anyway, Willie and I became friends. And we, we started to talk about an idea I had which was comprehensive safety analysis, which meant uh, rather than thinking about a single hazard, what you do is you construct the accident, you design the accident. And um, I started generating papers for the National Safety Council in 1980. And before Bhopal, uh, I presented a paper 
paper concerning uh, chemical risk assessment and hazard control techniques. And it was applying system safety techniques. It was a system hazard analysis of an atypical chemical plant. And uh, consequently, I, 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 I piqued an interest in many people. So ultimately, I wound up in the System Safety Society. I wound up working for Grumman, Grumman Aerospace on, on nuclear weapon systems and, and, and whatnot. So I published a number of paper, papers applying system safety towards safety-related problems. And I had an, uh, 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 an innate skill of looking at things holistically and inclusively. And I guess you could search around. You might even find some of these real old uh, documents. Uh, the Occupational Two-Phase Hazard Recognition Program in 1980. I tied in uh, system safety methods like the fall tree uh, into um, evaluating an industrial safety-related problem. Uh, ultimately, I wound up working for Hartford Specialty before Grumman as the loss control coordinator for national accounts. And I was given all the high-tech accounts nationally to work with. So I met Johnson of Moore. Uh, I, I met uh, many people that were writing the books on system safety at the time. It was like great. It was wonderful. They became my friends. Uh, I protégéed with Dev Rahija. I protégéed with Brian Moriarty. Uh, Brian worked on the Vanguard program and did one of the first four trees. I know Mike Antonucci from Grumman claimed uh, the most responsibility of refining an FMEA although Clifford Gross said he did in the late 50s, but I knew Mike Antonucci. So I searched around, and I made friends with all of these people, and I protégéed my whole life. And I haven't stopped, and I haven't looked back, as you probably know by a lot of my comments. So ultimately, you know, got the graduate program, went through the graduate program at NYU, um, and uh, progressed further and further into system safety as a result of getting into Grumman Aerospace. And eventually I, worked, I wound up being principal safety engineer on the space station. Uh, in the meantime, when I got to Maryland, uh, I started uh, to work as an adjunct at the Clark School of Engineering, and I had... Uh, the fortunate opportunity of teaching system safety engineering at a, um, a senior and graduate level for 14 years. And I, I got into their PhD program as well, and I spent about, I don't know, 20 years of doing research, refining this whole concept of comprehensive safety analysis technique. Now I kind of call it, um, what I call it, scenario-driven System Hazard Threat and Vulnerability Analysis. That does not sound like a very short name. That's a mouthful for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, scenario-driven analysis. And, and what I do is I create accidents. So I'll take any entity which is considered a system, let's say, and um, I'll defeat the system. 
and I'll create these scenarios that are based a lot on Willie's concepts associated with adverse sequences. And I'm so far into this, uh, I'm probably standing by myself, and that's okay. Um, I was a director in the System Safety Society, uh, vice uh, executive vice president. Uh, I brainwashed a lot of people over the years. You did say brainwash. I want to make sure that you know that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hundreds of papers, uh, a number of books. Uh, and I just love this practice. So, so you know, I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm kind of semi-retired. I, I, I accomplished what I want to accomplish, basically career-wise. But I kind, I kind of want to pass around the information and have these kinds of discussions. Now, do you feel that you really ever retire from this? Because I don't really think that you ever stop. I mean, once your brain starts going that direction, don't you just really continuously go on? Yes, sir. And and it's 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 you know beyond PhD. It's I, I debated with people worldwide on these concepts, and uh, I wound up in the FAA. I designed. Um, what they call flight operational safety uh, analysis program for flight standards. Um, I helped develop their system safety handbook, which was used by the Navy for a while. And that handbook could still be accessed online. So let's um, t- let's talk about that for a moment, because as you as you are aware, sure. a, a lot of the FAA stuff right now, DOT is almost kind of kind of mimicking a lot of that information that's out there. So would you say that you've also had some influence in that space? Well, to a certain well, to a certain degree, at least in flight standards and new technology and procedures development. You know, like anything else, um, everybody has their own perceptions about how to do safety analysis. And I guess that's where, where our conversation almost starts. So let's just, let's just kind of go from the, from the beginning. I tend to post a lot of things online from different, I guess, people that are inside of the industry. And you tend to comment quite a bit on the stuff that I put on LinkedIn, which is a good thing. I mean, don't, don't take it wrong. Um, well, well but, not, not, not just you. You come up with interesting concepts that I want to respond to. So, and then what I want to make sure is that, so right now I tend to post a lot of things related to even an organization performance and you always have a reference to look at this instead look at these other things so are you looking at these standpoints on some of these postings that i'm copying some other people's stuff and that's what i'm posting not that i'm taking my stuff and posting it out there i'm taking some of their stuff and posting it are you looking at it as they're mimicking other people's information and trying to take it as their own is that how you're viewing some of those concepts no not no not really Uh, i i kind of have an open mind um, I mean, I respect what people are doing, obviously. Uh, what I want to do is be effective. You see, I, I don't want to be part of the problem, right? We have, we have axioms. We have uh, ethics to comply, comply with. And I learned many, many, many years ago that you should never be part of the problem. You should always be part of the solution. And I know that's a, a buzz concept, but when you're a so-called safety person, 
it's our job to sell concepts to people that are making decisions all the time. We are constantly selling what we're doing to be effective. So how do you look, so how do you look at this then in regards to the people that are out there that they have their different concepts of safety they have the lean safety you have the people with the behavior based safety you have the people with the human and organization performance so there's these different concepts and if you want to look at it you can almost say that they're almost like different religions to some extent how do you look at that how do you go well, well I, I see these different I, things and how does that work Oh my my perception is from the system concept everything is connected whether it not be, uh, you know, whether it's an organization, uh, a physical process, or whatever, it, it is all an inclusive system. And, and we, as safety professionals, ought to understand this. So we come from a, a point of view, which is okay. It's our background, uh, you know, psychologist or whatever, or engineer. And you have a tendency of concentrating on your particular discipline, right? Your point of view. Mm -hmm. We do that because of our training. I do the opposite. I stand back and and look at the inclusive system, whatever that entity might be. So that's the way I'm kind of looking at the world. So if somebody talks about behavioral based safety, so what I want to do is uh, contribute to that discussion from a system perspective. Okay? We have to be holistic because accidents don't care about the boundaries we set up. We call it organizational safety or fire safety or nuclear safety, whatever we want to call it. Or we develop... Um, set of safety requirements that are myopic, that come from a single standard, a single industry. And we have a tendency of locking into our particular area and we don't have open minds. So I generally try to have both feet on the ground and I'm not really trying to criticize people. I want people to start thinking about these concepts. So let's backtrack a little bit here for a moment. So you said that sure, you, you have a background sure. in human factors. You also have a background in system safety. So if you take a look at some of the concepts that people are using inside of the hop space, you would almost say that it's a combination of both, If depending on how, you know, how, how deep you go into it. How do you look at that concept? Do you think that there's flaws inside of that system? I'm, I'm not, I'm not, again... I'm asking an opinion question, and I'm not asking from a scientist point of view. I'm asking for an opinion-based answer on that one. Yeah, no, I'll give you an opinion, Mm -hmm. but but again, I I don't want to be negative. See, I want to enhance. (laughs) But this is this is the whole reason why I want you on, not to be negative. Don't 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 get it the wrong way. I'm more along the lines that I want to have your point of view. And if you believe that there's misconceptions that are out there. That's exactly what I want you to share with me and share with the audience, um, because I want your point of view. That's the whole reason of interviewing. If I wanted to hear my point of view, I would just talk to myself. So this is why I wanted yeah. to have you on. No, I, I'm okay. I understand that. Um, there's also a concept called system assurance, which I was involved in writing a book on that as well with Dev Rahija. 
that the system has to be balanced. Okay, and and there are different practices in system assurance, like reliability, like human factors, like maintainability, like logistics, like quality. All of these practices have, have to work in concert to enable acceptable risk. And, and, and this was my fortunate experience, you know, working on the space station internationally. You have to be able to understand all of these concepts and understand how they appropriately support risk acceptance. Yes, for instance, a reliability problem could wind up being a safety problem. A cyber uh, security problem could wind up being a safety problem. These things, as I mentioned, are all connected via system risks. There are things called synergistic risks, systemic risks. There are things that are called, well, uh, under new terms, recent, yeah, 20 years, system of system risks, family of system risks. People are having a hard time connecting the dots. For instance, a minor error in software code had stopped a warship that was traveling at flank speed in its tracks. That could have been catastrophic. It's from that single little problem. So I hope I'm explaining. This is where I'm coming from. I, I, I see things... I guess, inclusively, holistically. Oh, but by the way, there are many other forms of thinking that one has to apply. You know, abstract, temporal, inductive, deductive, qualitative, quantitative, etc. So I, I spent most of my thinking thinking about these kinds of things. So this is where I'm coming from. And a lot of people understand it, or not a lot of people understand it. But note the recent system accidents. Note the major recalls. I look at these things. I, I study these system accidents, and I create new system accidents. We're having problems right now with AI, as you know, noted, probably. Again, all of this could be addressed appropriately. But because we come from our own points of view or we rely on one particular standard to give us guidance on how to do safety stuff, we run into problems. Any decision made in any entity that's considered a system, which it is, can adversely affect the system and introduce uncontrolled risks. Any action or inaction as well can do that. So a little error in a display, loss of situational awareness, whatever. I see all these things. I'm able to see all these things. 
first thing we do, we define the system in a way to enable our analysis. And we break the system down into its parts. Human aspects, hardware aspects, firmware, software, logic, and the environment all interact. Then I have a layer of all this consideration concerning system assurance, reliability, maintainability, whatever. All of these things have to be in balance. So I'm able to develop such an analysis that will show what is in balance. So I do these inclusive analyses. Um, over the years, years ago, I developed something called the generic analysis template, where you could analyze a particular type of system entity applying these scenario-driven approaches and design these system risks. And once you um, defeat the system, okay, you indicate all of this. You're describing problems. You're describing themes that are associated with system risk. You can attack any problem in the entity by doing this. And as you know, or may know, you put something in writing, and then, of course, I follow uh, the rigors of classical system safety as well, you know, with peer review, uh, et cetera, et cetera, tracking risks, something called validation and verification of all the controls associated with that risk. So think of these propagations. They're multi-propagations. They're not just linear propagations. They're adverse integrations. So this is where I'm coming from. I hope that kind of explains my view. So to some extent, you're, you're really focusing on drift, on the drift of the system. That's one way of looking at it, the variability. Mm -hmm. You have to bound your system to maintain control. So, of course, what could go wrong, right? But you create what could go wrong. In other words, you design the adverse sequences, the intentional events or, or the accidents. It's really phenomenal. We found all sorts of stuff single point failures. I could tell you stories. Well, let's, let's, let's do it this way then. So let's say, for instance, you have the opportunity of sharing information where people that don't have the same point of view that you have currently, what do you think that they need to focus on to have a better understanding of the system safety version that you're talking about? How would you explain it to a for format? Now, you have to keep in mind that we have different different style listeners. We have some people that are very advanced, some people that are starting their journey. So how would you explain this to a, we'll say, to the average citizen to be able to understand this? Not high level, well, mid-level, kind of somewhere towards the bottom. Well, uh, sim simply, you walk around with a devil camera and you take pictures of bad things that could happen and you deconstruct the picture and you fix the problems. You mitigate those risks or eliminate them. 
You can provide barriers in the adverse sequence. There are techniques of applying what we call risk control. There's a risk control hierarchy. So there's a lot of fancy stuff that you can apply. Oh, by the way, risk is not just severity and likelihood. There are many attributes of risk that you could weight in and consider. You know, we're talking about two or three dissertations here. Right. Years, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you know um, I kind of walked away from it based on, on, on misunderstanding of probability and over-reliance on probability. And uh, that's another discussion. Can I answer your question, Jay? To, to some extent, yes. Yeah. So let me, you, now that you brought up dissertation, what was your dissertation about when you were doing your PhD? Well, I I I, I changed them. Basically, it was it, it was to develop this kind of integration. Okay, um, they wanted me to um, develop rules for comprehensive safety analysis, scenario driven process. Um, NASA was involved, and that's another story. And hence, uh, what I did was back out of my program and generated a book that talks about the this particular technique. And now, is this a book available to the public where they could actually go onto, let's say, the Amazons or Barnes and Nobles of the world and be able to acquire it? Yes, sir. Yeah, and. I don't particularly, I don't want to sell books, but. I hey, mean, we're here right to, now. So we have to take advantage of what we got going on. Of course, we, I want people to understand what you're talking about a little bit more. So if they can go somewhere to actually acquire the book, I would love for them to know. Oh, well, well there, there are, there are two books of note, I guess. System assurance technologies, principles and practices. A product, process, and system safety perspective, second edition, Wiley. And that's with Deborah Hazia. Now, what and year What, what year were these books published? Okay, let me see. Um, you can give me a ballpark. It doesn't have to be exact dates. 2006 is our, our last one. And then... Um, Safety analysis of complex systems, considerations of software, firmware, hardware, human, and the environment, Wiley. That's me. Um, let's see, 2010. So 2010 was the last one, so give or take at the time of the interview, about nine years ago. So what do you think about the landscape of the books that are out there? I mean, I'm seeing a lot of books come out in the safety space now. What, what has been holding you back on, on putting out a third book? Well, I, I, I mean, I'm semi-retired. <laughs> uh, semi-retired, is, you, that means you're still doing some kind of work, so you have to do something with your time, so if you're, you can use it from one standpoint or the other. Well, I'm actually applying the technique in one particular industry and, and, and teaching um, the safety professionals in applying this particular technique. Um, I also had developed a number of uh, training programs associated with all sorts of analytical techniques. Uh, there are about 500 of them. So you know, you know, how, what is more? To, uh, you know, you know, what is 
cause analysis, what's the appropriate way of applying it? Uh, you name the technique, uh, you know, other than hopping around. Uh, I mean, I know classical human factors. Uh, a lot of new stuff is coming out, and I mean, that's fine. But but is it is it really new? Is anybody taking uh, an inclusive look? And I don't think so. And, and what bothers me is the harm that occurs as a result of a catastrophic event because we're following the particular safety standard that really doesn't even touch upon the system. We might be worried about a functional failure only and bypass a whole bunch of other catastrophic risks associated with the entity because we're working on a particular standard or that we could simply rely on some magical probability, which is ridiculous, 10 to the minus 6 or even 10 to the minus 9. Well, let me ask a question there then. So you hear a lot about safety one, which a lot of people associate to behavior-based safety. And then you now you're hearing a lot about the concept of safety two or safety differently, however you want to look at it. And it really ties into human and organizational performance. So do you still believe as you take a look at, especially from a system factors point of view or a systemic point of view, better saying, do you look at it that still safety two is not the correct concept? I wouldn't say that anybody's approach is correct or incorrect, as I indicated. I appreciate what people are doing. I just look at the world very differently. I might be in my own little space here, okay? And that's fine. But I, I look at the world differently. And as you could note with my observations, I'll indicate how I'm looking at the world at the particular time. I don't want we safety professionals to come from only a single point of view. What I want us to try to understand is the inclusive system. It has to be balanced. And if we're talking about uh, one particular approach, like behavioral-based safety, I mean, it was wonderful. The STOP program really worked for DuPont. Yeah? Right. But what about the entire facility? That's not going to stop blowing the guys across the Brandywine River because of a process problem. So then we have process safety engineering. What? Well, you know, we're just coming from our points of view, again, which I don't agree with. I, I want to see more holistic thinking. The human is part of the system. If the human is going to interface with the system, those are communication links, and we should ought to understand what those communication links are. I'm looking at a display. I'm working with a monitor. I'm working with a sophisticated computer system. You know, we are exponentially growing in science, engineering, and technology. And... How could one particular approach solve the problem without looking at the concept holistically? That's my concern. So hence, you'll see my statements here and there. Do I want to criticize? No. Do I want debate? Yes. Do I want us to openly discuss these things? Great. Do I want challenge? Yes. Am I wrong? I have to test myself. I cannot do harm. 
You got to put both feet on the ground, right? No bullshit. Because if I misdirect you or give you inappropriate information, I become part of the problem. You make a bad decision down the road in your hazard analysis, and it winds up hurting somebody. I'm part of the problem because I told you something that disrupted your thinking. So as, as so as you say that, and, and I know that you know you say that you want to be open for debate and having conversations and expanding people's point of view and you know going back and forth. How, do you think that there's a better way of doing it besides than on social media? How can one actually communicate with other people to have that conversation where it doesn't come across as trolling or trying to bring someone else down? Because, I mean, it, it's so difficult on social yeah. media how it can come across. I mean, I'm sure you understand exactly, that. Exactly. Exactly. Hence your, your statement about trolling. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard to really understand communication in that forum. I mean, this forum is pretty good, right? We're talking about stuff. You're getting a different perspective, right? I hope. Right. And it's very hard to kind of communicate what you want to communicate in five or six sentences. So you have, so you, so you've referenced several times that you're semi-retired so is there anybody else? Well, let me go back for even for a moment. And you've also said that you're a man standing by, by himself. So is there anybody else that's kind of following along some of the, the thought processes that you're having that you've seen out there in the space that if other people were interested? Yeah. I mean, some of the colleagues I worked with, I, I had applied these analyses, but unfortunately <laughs> Well, they're a little older than me as well. Well, that's what I was going to ask next. Are they retired as well or semi-retired? Because that's yeah. the thing. Normally when people have concepts, what I'm always looking at is who can come along and take a look at, you know, who's following up with that particular style of work. Of course, like I've told you already and re- made reference via email and then now referencing once again, is that human and organizational performance is a lot of the stuff that we talk about here. But I also, as I look into it more and more, this is something that's been around roughly for about close to about 30 years because it's coming out of the Department of Energy. So it is also coming out of Impo. So it's not like it's something that it's new, but a lot of people are discovering it and they look at it as it's new. So as you're sitting here talking about system safety and the different things that you've looked into, this is why I keep on going, where can we get more information? Because it's like you're saying, it shouldn't be just one thing where we look at it and it's one approach fits all because there's no magic bullet as you fully are aware. It's one of those things that we need to have more information. You could probably uh, access the International System Safety Society and get involved with the society. We used to have open debates constantly, constantly about all of these concepts. Hence, that's why we presented papers. Did everybody understand it? No. Uh, Does everybody agree? Not necessarily. There are a few people that have holistic uh, approaches that I don't necessarily agree with. Unfortunately. Well, I mean, and, and what, what I've noticed a lot of times, too, is when it comes to white papers, some people will write a white paper and it does not have a lot of good science behind it. But they believe because it was put onto a white paper that is the only way, the truth and the light. And I don't agree with it 100 percent. But some of the people <laughs> and then some people are intimidated by reading white papers, which I 
find kind of funny too. At the same time, it's like, oh, this person must really know what they're talking about because they decided to put it on a white paper. So it's kind of a, it's a funny situation there on how that works out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's say you're talking about organizational theory and behavior. Okay. Uh, you know, Perot talked about tightly coupled systems and loosely coupled systems and multi-causation, and that's all not new. Perry in the 60s, thought we talked about multi-causation. And it's not a simple uh, set of Swiss cheese or dominoes. <laughs> right. Right? Okay. Organizational aspects are important. Yes, I'm not discouraging any of that. I encourage all sorts of analysis that support safety. Here is the problem. The organization sits in the system Right? Right. So there are organizational aspects, but there are many other aspects that one has to look at. Right? The human has to interface with the system. There are physical things involved with the system. There are operational, there are functional things. How does one describe the system? So instinctively, I might be able to take an entity that you worked on, let's say, from an organizational perspective. And I look at that and, and conduct this inclusive analysis and come up with more additional risks that might have been overlooked. But you know what I appreciate mostly is that, as I mentioned, the human in the loop can instantaneously cause adverse sequences. Any decision made, any action made by the human that has an effect on the system could adversely affect the system. So yeah, am I looking at it from an organizational perspective? Maybe. There might be some organizational controls, right? So how am I looking at it? I'm looking at it from many points of view. From many different so-called devil cameras or lenses. But I'm putting it down in writing. I'm getting concurrence. Here are the accidents. Could we think of any other accidents that can occur? No. Did we mitigate these risks? Are there barriers? Did we validate and verify the mitigations? And no, I'm staying away from the word single hazard. It's not a single hazard. It never is. It's an adverse sequence. So when you're looking at the picture, <laughs> excuse me, guess what? You see the overall picture. Then you understand the system risk. Then you mitigate that risk. You put barriers in the sequence, or you eliminate the sequence, right? We all know that. It could be multi-sequences. Also, there's something called the life cycle of an accident or an adverse sequence. And that comes from, oh, 1960s, with those fancy little uh, uh, diagrams that Peter's put in industrial accident investigation. And I started thinking about these diagrams. There's a life cycle to an accident or an adverse sequence. There are things like 
monitoring the system, right? There are things like detection, isolation, correction, recovery, contingency. How do we bring the system back to a stable state? So I'm going on and on here, but maybe I look at the world from different points of view. We put it down in writing. You and I will sit there and concur. Are we done? Can we think of anything else? Did we validate these risk controls? Did we verify the controls? Are they in place? Are we monitoring the system? Funny thing, I, when I, I, I taught this at Maryland, we started with, in 13 weeks, we started with this is a hazard to comprehensive safety analysis technique. And they generated a safety engineering report. I saw safety engineering reports that would far surpass what I've seen in the real world on jobs. So if you could take seniors and graduate level people and, and train them the 14 weeks to do comprehensive safety analysis, uh, I guess I do it instinctively. And I rely on feedback, real-time feedback, and adjust what I'm talking about, as I am with you right now. Answer your question. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mike, I have a question for you. If the listeners want to know more about you, where can they find more information? Well, obviously, LinkedIn. Uh, you know, a lot of my information is there. Uh, well, let's see. Well, normally, if I had a student or I taught anybody, I basically say I'm attached to the training. If you ever want to contact me, or discuss what we talk about, I'm happy to talk with you, mostly at any time, you know, within reason. If we have a question and we want to debate, I love this stuff. So, I mean, my, my number is, is, is right there. And I, I welcome discussions with our colleagues. You know, call me. What do you mean by that, Mike? And, you know, 90% of the time, that communication is not 100%. 100%. That's the problem. We make assumptions, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. can we come out with a better media? This media is good. Have debates. Have a show. You know, challenge people. The society was great. You know, go to conferences, present papers, critique the papers. You know, forget your bias, forget your, forget your sensitivities or your ego. It's not about ego. It's about protecting the people we're charged to protect, right? Yes, it is. Well, Mike, I appreciate you coming on to Safety FM. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.